Yo, what is up, Regeneration? Welcome to the inaugural Voss Talks episode. We are super excited for you guys to listen to this one where we take live callers throughout the episode. We had so many awesome people chime in on the very first episode, and we cannot wait to interact with more Regeneration members on a regular basis in this new and exciting format. Sit back, relax. We hope you enjoy Voss Talks. Yo, what is Crackalack and Ridge Runner Nation? Welcome to the inaugural Voss Talks episode. Uh, I bet you can guess by now, but I am very excited uh, that we finally brought this show to you guys to the channel. We cannot wait to interact with Ridge Runner Nation in this way, and we cannot wait to hear your voices on a regular basis. Joining me on tonight's show are the two people who somewhat somehow agreed to be a part of this with me, Cam Wrench and Nick Voss. How's it going, guys? Doing good, doing good. Cam, what about you? Happy to be here. Yeah, you know, can't complain. Uh, We're going to see how this all goes with everybody calling in, you know, but the show's not named after me, so no real worries there. Yeah, if the show is named after me, I'd be a little nervous, not going to lie, on the first episode. But, you know, when Nick Foss came on Ridge Runners Live, number one, he was somehow lucky enough to be on that episode as well. And I compared him to the Skip Bayless of Ultra Running. I wanted to start off by saying I apologize for that because that was just a rough take there, Nick. Yeah, that's pretty rough. That's pretty rough. I mean, you can't give me something like uh, Tim Kirkchin, maybe, or uh, something better like that. You know, just something with more respect than uh, Skip would have, anything would have worked for that. But we want to start our original, or our uh, Voss Talks. My goodness, it's going to take a second, guys, to get used to that. But with how we always start things off, what are we drinking, guys? Cam, what are you starting with? All right. Well, I have a Bridge Brew Works Tumble Home Barley Wine from the New River Gorge in uh, West Virginia. Uh, if you all haven't heard the story about how I kind of got swindled into paying $36 for a six pack, go check that out on our uh, episode with the Rim River 100 winners. I think that was number 37, 36, Wesley? 37. 37. And what about Prime. you, Nick? <laughs> I'm doing the uh, Stone Delicious IPA. Little, uh, little heavier alcohol, 7-7 seven, seven to calm the nerves here. Love it. I love it. I've got a vodka Sprite actually as well. So I'm definitely doing the same calming the nerves thing tonight. So I'm super excited. First vodka Sprite, on, uh, it's Voss Talks. You know, things are a little different than Richard's Dive. You know, we don't have to be as formal. We don't have, we have guests coming on and we're going to super excited to get diving into our first callers here. But uh, if there's ever a show just to crack open a Jack and Coke or a rum and or vodka Sprite, <laughs> tequila, cider. <laughs> you know, all the... Uh, <laughs> This is the show to do it. So it'll be super awesome. Uh, we do want to dive into our first caller. We do have someone waiting in the queue already, which is super awesome to see. If you do want to join the show, just text that number that you see on the screen, and then we'll send you instructions from there. You'll just dial in a number, and you'll get added to the show. It's a voice-only show for you guys, so it makes it super easy. You don't have to worry about getting your video set. It'll be super awesome. Uh, before we do that, let's talk about Ohio's back at Ultra. They just started the, the entrance t- started today, December 1st. There was the race is already sold out, which is absolutely amazing. That a back at Ultra affiliate back at Ultra, it's gonna be a golden ticket race in March, completely sold out as fast as it did. These two gentlemen to my left and right are actually in the race, which is gonna be awesome to see. Uh, why'd you guys sign up and what do you guys think about it selling out as quickly as it did? Uh, well, to start off, I signed up because uh, while somehow only having six times less results than Nick, I have a 0.08% worse ultra sign up rating, and I knew this would be a really good opportunity to remedy that. 
to, wow, to, yeah, to, yeah, to, kick it off first race of the year, huh? You, wait, so wait, so you think you actually boost your ultra score by going to a house back at ultra? Oh, no, just a little no, bit. No, he's better saying than he's going to get better than me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, no I don't. I don't ever plan to win a race, just mostly to beat like you or Alex Jackson or something. And so you, since you haven't beat Alex and I, you're devoting yourself now to Nick Voss he, trying to beat him. I, I need more manageable goals. I'm learning. Wow, dude. I think the fire's already starting. I mean, Nick, what do you, what do you say about that? Well, I mean, uh, being a stat guy, I think I'm a little disadvantaged there because I could, I, I could finish, you know, bottom line is if I beat Cam, I hold on to it, I think. Uh, but my, my uh, multiple results there really uh, have a lower impact on each race. So I'm, I'm going to be in trouble. I mean, he might get me uh, this first, first race of the year. I might get him, but by the end of the year, my bet is Cam's going to have it. Well, especially because like it also, but it also grades your newer performances a lot heavier. I know, like when you some of my older really? ones, I'm almost positive there's almost like a recency bias, which I mean, we're all about on this show. It's like, what have you done for me lately? Um, kind of mentality. <laughs> so that's why we're obviously talking about how it's back. Like, welcome track. to Sports Talk Media. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to uh, Voss Talks. No, but I think it's going to be kind of cool um, to kind of have that, and I do think that it does weigh most recent results more than say a result from ten years ago. Um, Maybe someone from Ultra Sign Up can vet that, but and we'd love to hear from them. So hopefully they call us on the show here in a little bit. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was super interesting to kind of see the massive names that popped up as well. I mean, Harvey Lewis, Gabe Rainwater, John Russo is back, and Andrew Waugh is back, and everyone else that was back. I mean, what do you guys think about the competition this year? I mean, has there ever been an affiliate back at Ultra that's as stacked as this one? I mean, it's loaded. It's absolutely loaded. Um, you know, seven of the final 10 from, you know, just a couple weeks ago are already back. I think that's, that's the right number, maybe even eight. Um, and then, you know, and it's only in 109 days from now. I mean, talk about total rematch for those that were in the top in the final 10 there. Uh, so that's going to be great to see. And then, you know, you can add, add three of those runners. Uh, maybe, maybe you've heard of them, you know, Harvey Lewis, Gabe Rainwater, Jacob Conrad, you know, three individuals who have gone 200 miles or more. Um, and it's just, it, it's, they could go all week. They really could go all week. I might, I booked my flight last night. I might need to change that flight to later in the week, maybe Wednesday or Thursday. What, what did you put it at? Like Monday morning again, dude? Yeah. Monday, like afternoon. Yeah. That, yeah, I think there's some people, especially that are watching this, are just straight up disrespected by that. So you better change that uh, right now, actually, on the show. We'll it was. It, it's just all based on PTO. You know, I'm just. I'm not. <laughs> I haven't been. I haven't been in my role very long. I don't get a lot of vacation. So, you know, who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll have to talk to your employer to make sure you can uh, get them out yeah. there. We'll put you on official Ridge Runners business. We'll give you a doctor's note or whatnot. So if Earl of Pearl will buy my my rebook like he promised me uh, this year, then that'd be great. Yeah, I'm sure I uh, get all the ETP will come through. Uh, Cam, what do you think about the big names coming into Ohio's back at Ultra this year? Yeah, I mean, I I kind of agree with Nick. It's really just like a matter of how long is it going to go? Because like, what kind of shape is everybody going to show up in? Because a lot of these guys, they have absolutely nothing to prove but getting another win, which it's not going to be any of the first time uh, for them like winning a race, right? So I'm actually very interested to see how somebody like Tanner reacts to 
having all of those guys who have gone 200 miles and they've run at bigs, you know, they've run with Courtney DeWalter, they've rubbed elbows with all these people that we see the documentaries about, you know, how's he going to react to having those guys next to him when he's, you know, 150 miles in and he's just got to keep going because they're going to keep going for the foreseeable future, no matter what he does. And to add to that too, there's a, there's a couple, there's a couple of people, um, you know, that, or I guess more than a couple, a good amount of people who haven't run a backyard before this year when they showed up at OBU. Um, so those folks that went 85 or a hundred or, you know, somewhere around there, like we could still see some big improvements coming from those people who just were figuring it out. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree completely. And I think Tanner's even just going to, I can't wait to see him just look at Harvey Lewis in the eyes and just be like, I'm about to take you down. Cause I know that's just how it's going to work. You know what I mean? Like, this should be so, like, imagine Tanner getting the starting line like he did this year, two minutes early. And Harvey Lewis just is like, look at him like, this kid, man, this kid. I, it's it's going to be unbelievable to kind of see how it all plays out. Um, do you think there's ever a chance that like these satellite back or ultras like, overtake bigs back at ultras like i feel like we're almost at that point with obu this year like i mean there could seriously be someone that puts up 300 miles at obu like would that just overtake bigs what do you guys think um i think it, it depends ahead, on what Cam. you mean by the word overtake because in terms of like media exposure the answer is just like absolutely not um and i, wait, I hate you, to be wait, that way but i doubt don't. runner's world will be sending anybody to reese's backyard and the actual bigs just like gets so much coverage, no matter what actually happens there. In terms of mileage, I'm I'm not quite sure about that. I think that one's like actually possible, right? But you know, just like the whole running world is gone absolutely crazy over everything Laz does, except for like strolling Jim for some reason. Um, and yeah, just like any satellite race is never going to get that kind of attention. I, I kind of, I mean, like if 300 miles happens though, like it has to get that attention, right? Like maybe runner's world won't like be there to like have them in, but like they'll be there live, but they'll actually like cover it obviously. And I don't know. I think that's, I feel like it's a potential for that to happen. Yeah. And, and I think we're seeing a shift in Laz's race too. You know, he really wants this thing to be international. So is he going to start really trimming down and not to say that international runners can't run far, but that's got to take, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of American runners who are interested in this format too. Um, so maybe that will start to spread out that, uh, that talent level across some of these satellite races. And we might see a couple, you know, a couple of the, couple of the races float to the top there. I mean, I would love to see it. I think that's something that could definitely happen. Uh, we've actually got our first caller on the line. This, hey. will be, this moment will be written down in the history books of the Voss Talks Forever. Uh, who do we have on the line right now? And uh, where are you from? How's it going? It is Jeff Anzo here. We are from Athens, Ohio, currently a graduate student here at Ohio University. Let's go, Jeff. Thanks for uh, joining the show here. We're super excited to have you. What do you want to talk about tonight? Well, first off, I just want to say Ohio's Backyard Ultra just this past couple weeks ago is absolutely a phenomenal event. Um, Absolutely life-changing, wonderful experience, and just the people there and everybody that contributed to putting that event on. If you have never been to an ultra, if you never had an experience like me, like that was my first one, absolutely blew me away and I'm straight up addicted. So I'm definitely excited. I got registered, so I'll be back uh, coming this March. 
Um, and I'm just really looking forward to uh, running with some new people and uh, just getting back in that community again. What was the one thing that surprised you most about the backyard ultra? Obviously, like you kind of came into it first ultra, you had not having any expectations, but what was the one thing that just totally shattered your expectations? That's a great question. So, well, for me, the definitely like what I just didn't give as much consideration to was the night portion. When we went to that, uh, when we went to the night portion, we went to the road. I just was so fixed on my training on the, the trail portion, honestly. And I just kind of undermined that and um, nutrition got behind cold, like clothing, something like just a lot of kind of new, like being new to ultra running mistakes that kind of came up there. Um, that was definitely kind of a really unexpected thing. I guess it happened on a personal level, but for the event and ultra running itself, it was just seen like how egoless of an environment that was put on like created there with everybody everybody was just so genuine and the environment and the way that everyone just wanted to see each other compete but everybody wanted you know everybody wanted to win themselves and like kind of see how far they can go but everybody was just teaching each other educating each other um and that really blew me away that really was something i'll never forget jeff how many miles did you make it in uh a couple weeks ago so 50 official miles, but it was like 53 when I, when I pulled it. Love it, man. Love it, man. Hell of an effort for a uh, first ultra there. How far are you going to go in March? And uh, I expect this number to be at least 300. Uh, you know, so I'm going to, I'm going to hold, I'm going to hold true to something I said after this one. I'm not going to say how far I'm going to run until like, I'm just only going to probably tell one or two people when it comes down to it, like how far I want to go, but I'm just going to kind of keep that one to myself. Um, just, just keep that one to myself, a little secret for now. Okay, Love Jeff, it. you said you're only going to tell one or two people. I'll take the headphones off and you can just tell Wesley and Nick now. <laughs> <laughs> that, that could work. You know, Regeneration is not listening. There's not other people obviously listening. And so uh, we'll be good there. Uh, Jeff, do you have anything else you want to talk about tonight, man? Um, so I just kind of had one question just for the being new to ultra running and really wanting to use this as an opportunity to travel and explore. Um, if there was any other races just kind of like on the East coast, really kind of willing to go anywhere with this, if there was any that you'd recommend that were just really stood out to you or were just a lot of fun to go to. Oh man, Nick, I'm gonna let you start off with this one. Oh man. Uh, I mean, I, I, I've just got to pick uh, Promised Land 50K um, down near Lynchburg, Virginia. It's just uh, it's that old school ultra. Um, you know, uh, Dr. David Horton is the race director, previous AT uh, record holder, two-time hard rock champion back in the day. Um, the guy just lives and breathes ultra running, even though he can't, can't quite run anymore. And you camp right by your car. He rides around his mountain bike and wakes everybody up in the morning. Um, it's just, it's, it's a great race. It's a tough course. It's runnable, but it's still seven K vert. Great race there in Virginia. Kim, what about you? Uh, I'm going with the rim to river 100 in new river gorge, West Virginia. They had an absolutely electric atmosphere for a first year, 100 miler. It's only going to get better next year. I've already got the ultra sign up page bookmarked for myself come January 1st when the race sign up opens. 
Yeah, and a little side note about that: our Rim to River <clears throat> film is still in the works, so we plan to release that at the uh, start around at the start of the year. So stay tuned for that as well. Um, I'm gonna give you one race that I've done and one race that I want to do. So one race that I've done that I really like is the Mount Mitchell Challenge. I think it's just such a unique event, just running uphill for the first 18 miles and then turning right around at the top of Mount Mitchell, the highest point on the East Coast, and then running all the way right back down. I think it's a super awesome race. And then one race I do want to do eventually is the Blood Rock 100 miler, which is set to take place this weekend. That race on the East Coast has 26,000 feet of climbing for 100 miles. Yeah, write that down. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, thank talk, talk about you. a hard one. Thank you for sharing those. Yeah, no doubt, man. Thanks so much for calling in, man, and being our inaugural caller. Uh, we really appreciate it, dude. It was an honor. Thank you so much. Love what you're doing here. Thanks so much, Chef. We'll talk to you next time. Have a good one. Yeah, that was good stuff. Call number one, guys. We did it. We did it. Yeah, you... Jeff Jeff brought up a great point. I mean, I was just thinking about, you know, while he was talking about his Ohio Backyard Ultra experience, I mean, uh, you guys have you guys have both, you know, done several ultras at this point. Imagine if that was your first ultra experience. I mean, I, I, I can't even imagine it. It's just such a different format, different uh, atmosphere to be a part of. Um, I don't know that if that had been my first ultra, maybe the trajectory would have changed completely. I don't know. Well, I also think, cause it also like allows you to go so far, you know, you're not limited, you know, like for me, like I was like, okay, I got to do a marathon and then a 50 K a 50 mile there and then work my way up. But like at a back at ultra, you're not limited. And I think that's kind of a really unique aspect of it is like, you can go out and do 50 miles for your first ultra. You can go out and do a hundred miles for your first ultra or just, you know, any distance you want. I think that's a super unique aspect with the back at ultra. And impressive that you made it that far, you know, with, with knowing, you know, uh, not really knowing what his limits were and, and making it 50 miles right off the bat. Pretty cool. Kim, what did you have to say there? I was going to say, yeah, totally. OBU, the first year they had, it was my second ever ultra. Um, hmm. And, you know, it kind of did blow the doors off what I thought that I could do, especially with how good I felt afterwards. And it just really like impressed upon me, like the importance of like run smart and like, run a race that you can like handle right versus doing what i did at my first ultra which is be like well if i run six hours in this 50k that means i'll be in the top 10 so i should go out with the leaders right uh that did not go well yeah cam i remember uh i remember you were a couple spots in front of me uh for maybe the first seven or so miles and i was like i met you the night before at camp or something and i was like yeah kids uh kids got some guts and little did we know. But and little did we know. I later lost them. Um, but, you know. Learn the best lessons, though. Yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. Uh, as always, if you're watching the YouTube chat and you want to be the next caller on the show, just text that number. We'll shoot you a set of instructions. It's super simple. It's like one, two, three, and we'll get add you on the show as well. So uh, if you want to be a part of the madness that we got going on right now, feel free to just text that number up there. Uh, we've actually got a second caller already in ready to go um let's do it second caller on the line who do we have right now and uh where you're from this is michael owen from pomeroy ohio unbelievable man how'd you find this number big mike dude this number was like 25 digits long it was really hard to get in here correctly it took me about 10 tries to finally get it right i love it man i love it man what do you want to talk about so not to keep on going on with the Ohio's Backyard Ultra, but uh, something you know that I think is relevant in uh, ultra running 
that could be discussed. I'd love to hear guys' thoughts on it. I won't, I won't stay on the line, but uh, is the lack of female representation in Ohio's Backyard Ultra and maybe just within the Backyard Ultra format in general? Um, I don't know what to do about it. As a race director, I would love to see more women in the field um, because, as we all know, women can certainly win the race. Um, as we've seen with bigs the past couple of years and, um, even in, uh, you know, Ohio's backyard altar with Jennifer Russo finishing with 154 miles for the assist. Um, but you know, generally at OBU, at least for the past three years, it's only been 15 to 20% women and, uh, I'm going to log off here, but I'll let you guys talk about this. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, no, I was race director for SCOTR, Michael Owen. He's the race director that puts on Ohio's back or ultra. Do either of you guys have any glaring thoughts you want to start off with this one with? Well, uh, I mean, this is currently an all male show um, with two male callers. And I think uh, not to put on my like male feminist hat too much here. Right. But like, there's definitely just sort of like a general problem of like the structures of like Western American society. Right. And I don't fully understand how to like change that in order to like get more people at OBU other than like me personally annoying all of my friends to do it um, because it's really cool. And I'd like to see them there too. Nick, yeah. And I, I, I agree with you, Cam. I think, uh, I think there's certainly a, uh, you know, a cultural issue um, that we're, we're kind of dealing with and not obviously not just in ultra running, it's, it's sports across the board, really um, with, with not just representation, but um, equal pay, equal exposure, equal um, coverage, all of those things um, that need to change. Um, and I, and I think, I think there are people within the media that are really trying to work hard at that. Um, so that's one step. Another thing, you know, I think a lot of people have suggested things like this and I've seen it from races is they, they will hold out a certain amount of spots for women. Um, obviously that's a concern for, for race directors who, who do it to support their families, um, and, and want to still be able to fill their race. Um, but that's where outreach can be important. And, and really it's just, you know, I don't think it's going to change until we, until, other women, young women see the representation. Representation is empowerment. And once they see that that's possible, that's, that's when, um, when we can start seeing the numbers go up. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with a lot of that sentiment there. And especially like, well, I did some deep dive research on this recently. Cause I was just curious and I actually have some notes that I wrote down. Cause I was just, I was just not uninformed, but I just was wanted to be like, okay, how can I do better on my day-to-day basis with this topic. And for those who don't know, I'm currently doing some work with a women's soccer team at the professional level. And that's been a really awesome experience right now. And so it's kind of cool to kind of hear these stories and just be like, in to share these stories. Cause there's a lot of times where maybe the, like Nick talked about equal access and equal pay, but I mean, just the access alone to kind of hear the stories and get the stories out there, I think is super important important for um, everyone. One thing I wrote down, there's an article, I forget where it went, it might've been Outrun Magazine, but it was like, do people associate the outdoors with women? That was like one quote from the whole article that really stuck out to me. And I think that was something that I think needs to change. And I hope that uh, we can kind of be a part of that change. Um, yeah, I even did, I mean, it's kind of just kind of rambling on at this point, but I kind of did a deep dive on my Strava because I was curious. I've got 341 Strava followers and I've got 57 of those are women that comes out to 
or 57 of them are, yeah, basically women. Yeah. Women. So that's 16%. So that's not a great representation, I think, of what the sport can be. And I think it's, it has a lot of room to grow. So. Yeah, it's, it's a great, it's a great point. I mean, that's, a, I think a really good step that all of us can um, take and just as easy as looking at those people you follow on Strava, you know, look at yourself, look at what you're, what you're, uh, what you're doing yourself. And I think that if everybody does that, it's going to be better. I, I know I've seen specifically in, um, you know, running media in terms of uh, photographers that show up to races, there's been, you know, a little bit of, of back and forth um, about that. And it's really all just about proportionality, right? Like there are just as many women at all these track meets, all these running events as men. Um, and it, it really, I, I, I don't understand why, why there's a, there's a difference um, other than some of the things that Cam was talking about with just a, a patriarchal, um, you know, background. Yeah. And one another quick comment on that is when we saw this most recently at the JFK 50 milers where like there was a couple people out there just like logging the race and kind of doing like I run far type updates, but they're only doing the men. You know what I mean? There, there wasn't like an easy way to top the tro- top five women in the race. And I mean, the men were update every, every minute on where they, they crossed like an aid station, but you know, the women just weren't yeah. represented that way. And uh, I think that just needs to change across the sport. And no, and no disrespect to that guy, right? Like he, he's only one person. He can only, you know, if he, if he stops following the men, then, you know, you're only going to catch the women. There just needs to be, there needs to be a, a, a big drive to, to cover it equally. And, yeah. and I run far is a great company that's doing that um, right now, you know, trying to keep that equal, put the women's results first, all those things, they're, they're little. And a lot of people might think, oh, does that really matter? It does. It just does. Definitely. And kind of keep it on the same topic. We do have a third caller um, that's officially on the line with us right now. Uh, who do we have on the line right now and uh, where you're from? Hey, guys, it's Jessica Koppelwitz, and I am from uh, Athens, Ohio. Well, not originally, but that's where I live now. Awesome, Jessica. This is a perfect topic to I feel like you're a good point person to kind of uh, just talk to you about this. Uh, how do you think that we can help bring more women to ultra running? Um, well, I think the, one of the first things that you guys are doing right now is inviting us to the conversation, which I think is awesome. And you guys have been so supportive um, in my journey and, you know, just highlighting some of the other organizations out there that um, encourage women to be part of the sport. So thank you for that. Really appreciate it. Um, Definitely. But honestly, I mean, honestly, I think it's like, um, one thing that I have to say, and by the way, um, it was so much fun running with you, Wesley at OBU, even though I didn't see you until man, like mile 50 something, yep. maybe I just like, I heard your voice and like, everyone was like, Wesley, it was just kind of a funny, um, uh, funny kind of one of my last loops, I think, but it was a lot of fun. Um, but I know yep. when I, um, got to the race, it was just kind of like, there was just dudes everywhere, which is understandable, right? I mean, um, so it can be kind of intimidating for people, um, uh, especially for women to kind of show up and be like, okay, well, there's two of me and, you know, a lot of other guys running. So I think that can be pretty intimidating. So until we see, you know, more people just trying it and seeing other people, you know, who look like them doing it, then, um, you know, we're never really going to get to the point where there's, a lot of, um, women runners out there, but you guys are doing a good job. Um, one of the organizations, you know, showing, you know, showing the winners of races, um, highlighting women out there running and and doing similar things and 
killing races. And it's just like, it's, it's really great to see. We really appreciate that, Jessica. You're on Ridge Runners Live number four. It's crazy to think that that was uh, all that time ago, almost a year now. Um, what has Trail Sisters been? I know that you're like the key influence down there in Athens, Ohio, but kind of talk about that group and kind of like what that influence and kind of how that impacts bringing women to ultra running. So we, um, I first um, heard about the group, I think back in December of um, 2019, um, Gina Lucrezi started it and um, it's now a national organization. There's groups all over the country. And in fact, I think there's just three or four in Ohio now. Um, but one of our first runs was February 1st. So did our first group run on February 1st, 2020, kind of before um, everything kind of broke loose. Um, and there were so many people who showed up. I think there was like almost 20 of us um, who showed up to run. And it really, it was about, I just don't feel comfortable. Number one, maybe being out in the trails by myself, um, or just not knowing anyone else who's doing it. And then all of a sudden, you know, 20 of us show up, um, realizing that we were, we're all there. It's just kind of finding each other. So, um, it's just a way to, um, bring people together to get out on the trails and to feel like they're a part of something and to feel like no matter how fast or slow they are, there are no drop runs, um, that they're a part of that. And I think that's really important. I think that's another, um, important thing that we tried to focus on was that like, you don't have to be experienced. You just have to have a love of, um, the outdoors and wanting to be with other people kind of along that journey. So that's kind of where that started. Um, and so we we did about oh four or five group runs before COVID kind of um, you know kept us from all running together. But we try to share all of our journeys and things that we're doing. And um, there's a lot of people who kind of you know spend a lot of time together. So um, there's some offshoots of that. Um, so that's been a great journey. And then we ended up bringing um, Birth Barf, which you guys know, Annie Lang and Lauren Kraft. Um, they've been really, um, you know, huge role models, um, speaking out for just inclusivity and pretty much for everybody. And just like, hey, we're out doing this. Doesn't matter how much experience you have, just try it. Um, and they came down to speak in Athens and we had a huge turnout um, with those with those ladies. So Yes, it's been a fun journey. So not really much going on right now. I'm just trying to um, encourage uh, other women to sign up for races. And I think I think I may have recruited a couple for OBU, which I'm so excited um, for Michael Owen and for um, Southeast Ohio Trail events that it sold out that quickly, which is crazy. It's nuts. It, it is nuts. I mean, the first year it sold out in seven days, second year, six days, and now it's 14 hours. I mean, soon enough, it's going to be like a couple minutes and that race will sell out. So kind of insane to see there. Uh, Jessica, thank you so much for calling us tonight. Do you have any final thoughts you want to leave us with? Uh, just thanks to you guys again. And I look forward to running with you. So nice to meet you, Nick. Good to meet you, Cam, and talk soon. Definitely. Thanks so much, Jessica. Bye, guys. Yep. See ya. Yeah, Je Jessica, like she was like, Nick, I mean, you were kind of with us at this point too. And she was just so far ahead of us at OBU for most of the early part of the day that like, I just didn't want to get up there because I couldn't run that fast. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling like going that quick early on. And uh, one of the last, one of my last road loops, I caught up to them and I uh, got to share some time with them. And I was super excited to do that. Uh, what do you guys have initial thoughts on Jessica's comments or anything you want to kind of add there? 
I think what she's doing is great with uh, with Trail Sisters. Um, it's a great organization um, nationwide. So wherever you are in the country, look it up. Look up a local chapter, um, and and don't let don't let what Jess is doing um, be the only solution. You know, like she her boots are on the ground. She's doing the work, but it really it's all of us. We all we all really need to do um, as much as we can and and put as much effort into making women feel welcome in our community. Cam, do you have anything? Yeah, I mean, not much other than to reiterate what Nick just said, right? You know, um, just kind of hit on this, right? Uh, when she was speaking, but you know, for me as a man, when I started running trail and ultra races, I was already outdoorsy. I was already way like always out in the woods, right? You know, and often alone. And there was never a question about whether or not I should be out in the woods alone, you know? And for women, at least like the women who are my friends that I speak to about this, they're doing anything alone. They're being questioned about it. Um, and right, like safety is always going to be a concern, but the safety concerns for me are whether or not I would break a leg or something, you know, not whether someone else would harm me. Right. And so kind of like what Nick said, like we need to make sure that we are also doing the work when we're out there and we're at races to make sure that women feel welcomed, uh, as a part of this community. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And I've had the opportunity to meet a couple of different Trail Sisters chapters now, and they've all been absolutely incredible. And like Nick said, they're all over. Like Cam and I met the Morgan 10 group in West Virginia at the Rims River 100, and they were an unbelievable, one of the best aid stations, I would say, on, on that course uh, out there. So uh, just absolutely incredible there. We actually have another caller ready to go in the queue right now. Uh, who's joining us on the line right now, and where are you from? Hey, how's it going? It's Rob Steger. Uh, training for ultra from Denver, Colorado. How you guys doing? Oh man, Rob, how's hey. it going, man? So, also from Denver, hey, right I, here. <laughs> are you really? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. From I, Ohio originally, I, but living in Denver now. I I made that same move. That's not a fun one, but I <laughs> love the new idea that you guys came up with here. Calling in, chatting, running. I'm all about it. So I had to support it. Dude, Rob, I mean, your support means so much. Obviously you are one of the people mm-hmm. that have transformed ultra running. If you don't know training for ultra, you've never been on YouTube or on a podcast at all in general. Uh, go check out his stuff. Just absolutely incredible. This is a Bobcat reunion, by the way, Nick Voss, Ohio Bobcat, Rob, Rob Ohio Bobcat, myself, Ohio Bobcat, Cam. Not an Ohio Bobcat. I'm feeling kind of left out. Um, any of you Chicago Maroons <laughs> in the chat, please let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ridge runners, do people know what the ridges are really? Like, I I feel like you have to have kind of been there to know exactly what that entails. It's also kind of spooky in October to uh, probably run in that area. I never was a runner, you know, when I went to school at Ohio University, but... I mean, I want to, personally, I want to open it up and hear more about like some of the experiences running in Athens, Ohio, because I only got to do one marathon there and that was it. And I'm kind of jealous of you guys, you know, having that opportunity. Yeah, that was my, uh, mm-hmm. running in Athens was my first, uh, my first foray into running actually um, did a little bit of trail running, mostly just short out and backs on the finger rock trail. Um, and then uh, decided to 
do a half marathon my my senior year of college, um, and which was the Athens Athens Marathon and half marathon there. And uh, yeah, I, I remember I did the did the half marathon. Um, opened up some blisters on my feet. Got passed by a thirteen year old girl around the track, um, and she crushed nice. me, and it was awesome. And uh, called my roommate to uh, come pick me up because uh, I lived up on top of the hill and I, I knew I couldn't make it up there myself. What a story. What a story. Rob, I've got a quick question for you before you go here. Um, you've done some of the craziest races all across the country now. Uh, what was the Thunder Bunny 50K like for you? I mean, obviously you talk about it in your book, but kind of what was that experience like uh, running the race and then coming back to Athens all those years later? It, and I was going to say that, yeah, I ran the, the Athens Marathon and then Thunder Bunny 50K, I think the next month or whatever it was. And I was scared out of my mind. I, I remember... We took the whole family. We went down to Athens. We got a hotel room. I was like in bed for eight, 8 p.m., you know, like early lights out. Like I took this so serious. And I actually, I was lucky that I did because it was my first ultra. It was dumping pouring rain. rain. Uh, yeah. Pouring rain. I think this was 17. But uh, just, yeah, it was hard. I mean, when you look at the course profile, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it took a lot out of me. And, um, I mean, I, I still consider Michael Owen one of the best RDs in the business. He's just a super nice guy. But the way he set that race up, I mean, anytime come, I think it's May, any anytime come May, if I'm in the Ohio area, I'm going back to that race. I mean, that in Mohican, Burning River, all those races I have a true love for. And anytime I'm in those areas, I want to hit those trails. So um, hard to compare it. Maybe I would say sections of Bigfoot 200 during the Triple Crown last year approached kind of like, you know, some muddy kind of wet stuff in the I don't know. I think it was raining and almost like foggy and a religious experience there at Thunder Bunny. And I had that same kind of rainy, foggy experience at uh, Bigfoot 200. But I love what you guys are doing. Keep it up. Like this dial in live show is such a cool concept. So big hats off to you guys. Hey, we appreciate it, especially coming from you, man. Where can people find you? Uh, just. Training for Ultra pretty much everywhere. Amazon, Instagram, you name it. It's the uh, it's my moment of creativity coming up with that name, and I, I haven't tapped into that creativity since. So but <laughs> hey. thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Take care. Training yeah, check for out Rob that Ultra. guy's book. Check out that yeah. guy's book. It's the holidays. Uh, great gift for all your uh, ultra runners, uh, family and friends out there. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. just absolutely crazy. I just did. I mean, I'm just flown away right now that uh, <laughs> Rob called in. That's awesome. And for everyone else, uh, socials or whatnot that we haven't plugged yet, Michael at SEOTR events and underscore Michael Owen, uh, genuine underscore Jeff called. And then uh, Jessica Kopowitz at Fluff Bakery on Instagram, I believe is their stuff. So you can kind of plug everyone right now as well. Uh, just a quick reminder that John JD3 is with us and he did also go to Ohio University. So thank you, John. Uh, 
he's talking to me right now, but you guys guys actually can't hear him. It's crazy. Um, the technology that he's got working behind the scenes right now to kind of make this all happen. He's making, pushing all the buttons and it's just absolutely crazy. So big kudos to JD3 for uh, producing the Cheers, show. John. He said cheers back, but uh, you guys can't. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> This is this is awesome, man. We've really uh, enjoyed this one so far. Um, this obviously this past weekend was Thanksgiving, and you know a ton of turkey trots happen on Thanksgiving. Obviously, this is the only day that they can honestly happen. I think um, I have a lot of takes on turkey trots. I think not, and good takes. I'm not saying they're hot takes, but they might be hot takes in some people. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just going to start to dive into my take, and I'm going to let you guys react. So I think turkey trots are some of the like the best race. Um, that can kind of take place throughout the year. And what I mean by this is like, there's not that many days of the year that everyone runs. Like it's like Thanksgiving, January 1st and global running day. Can you name another day that like everyone is out there running, go on Strava on Thanksgiving. And it was just like swiping through everyone, whether it's a race or just like just an activity that they did by themselves. It's just so cool to kind of see everyone getting out there on Thanksgiving. What are you guys' thoughts on Turkey trots and just like, days like that and how can you get more days like that in ultra running i'll let whoever start i mean i think the first thing is uh it's a little harder to get more days like that in ultra running because some ultra races do take multiple days so it's asking a lot whereas like a 5k most people can kind of power walk that even if they aren't a runner you know i will say turkey trots have like a truly electric atmosphere because Nothing gets under my skin like seeing live turkeys uh, in a pen at a race start line like I did last year at my one and only turkey trot and then getting thoroughly smoked by like some 16-year-old JV cross-country kids. Um, that was quite the learning experience. Um, they just like the Thunder Buddy 12K for you, right, Bob? <laughs> That's, I mean, I, I would not say that Ellen Isaac is a JV cross-country kid, uh, but she did thoroughly smoke me. So, yes. <laughs> Very fair. Nick, what about you? Yeah, I, I love the idea of just getting together with friends and family, um, you know, whatever, you know, burning some kcals, um, you know, to work up the appetite for Turkey Day. Um, I think uh, we found out this year that we don't really need uh, those organized events to do so. Um, so I think it's great to just get out there, um, push yourselves, do something um, challenging. Uh, me personally, I, I actually didn't Oh, I did run on Thanksgiving, but, but the, the thing that stuck out is I, I got on some skis for the first time. So, um, just getting out there and, uh, having some fun with your friends or family, whoever it is. Um, that's really, that's really the key. Um, I, I will say I, I did used to partake in, the the Columbus, uh, I don't even know what it was called now at this point, Columbus Turkey trot, I guess. Um, which was cool. Cause it was a five miler. It was a little bit extra. Um, and then uh, anytime you get to go home with a pie or a bottle of wine, that's always a plus, right? I'm the big fan of the five mile turkey trots versus the five Ks. Listen, I don't know the speed I had when I was 17. I barely had speed then, but like five miles, I can still hang on just a little longer than you can at a five K. So you don't have to go, go as fast, obviously. So I'm all about the turkey trots races or whatever that are five miles long. Uh, guys, another caller. We've got one right now on the line in the queue joining us on the show right now. Who's joining us and where are you from? Hey, what's up, Bridge Runner Nation? This is uh, Samuel Hartman and I'm from Columbus, Ohio. Samuel, man, how's it going? 
Hey, it's going great. Uh, enjoying the show tonight. Some really wonderful topics covered. Uh, awesome you guys are doing this. Um, not a uh, first-time listener, uh, but first-time caller. Hey, we appreciate that. We appreciate you calling in. You don't have to fluff us up like we're some big-time people that are not, but we do appreciate it. We do appreciate uh, when you do that. <laughs> uh, what do you want to talk about today, Samuel? Man, well, you guys have covered a lot of good stuff. I mean, and I think women in ultra running is an extremely valuable topic. And of course, the backyard format is blowing up and uh, that's incredible. Um, I guess I'm curious, you know, I, I, we have some people here who love running and, you know, a big part of running is technique. Uh, so maybe this is a little too niche, but I think you guys might have some thoughts on it. I was curious, uh, to hear from, from Nick or from any of you guys about, uh, the role of breathing in running and particularly ultra running, long distance running, specifically nasal breathing versus mouth breathing, diaphragmatic breathing, posture related to breathing and maybe how that plays out over you know a 5k versus a 50k or 100 miler cool we'll keep you here on the line for real quick with us sam and uh, nick we'll let you start this one off yeah yeah that's a really interesting question um and yeah i don't have a ton of personal experience with it it's one of those things i've just had on the back burner to to focus on a little bit more is breath work um i have some friends who are are really into it um uh, a guy i went to uh middle school with um who played professional baseball is really into it um he he works with a, a company called the mind strong project um they do a lot of breath work and a lot of cold therapy things like that um i think it's really important from what i know um anecdotally at least um and that it can really help uh one thing on that topic that i've recently uh kind of discovered myself even having you know i haven't been running for a long time but six seven years now um is that i have the tendency to kind of hold my breath while running downhill especially if it's technical um, which is a really interesting thing because i kind of found out um that 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 can cause some some side stitches or cramps um and there was a an older an older guy actually that i was running with at um at speed goat 50k this year and he he told me he was like i, I told him that i was having a bad side stitch he's like well make sure you're breathing on those downhills and it was like a light bulb just went off and i was like mm. you know what i'm holding my breath damn it <laughs> so you know yeah just all those things um but and, and certainly for me running at altitude i can feel um when my diaphragm is uh feeling a little weak or feeling compressed. So I can see the benefit for sure. Great question. Cool. And what about you? Yeah. Um, I mean, not to, um, yeah, not to sort of like dismiss the point, Sam, but I think in many cases, focusing on something like that can be like a very marginal gain. And the majority of us, we still need to make those non-marginal gains on like general aerobic capacity, like lactate threshold, running economy, like all those things. And like, for me, I haven't really put much thought into breathing technique other than the one time that Jamie Hanks, like showed me how to do the Wim Hof thing. And he was like, oh, this helped me out a lot at Leadville. And I'm like, I'm never going to run Leadville anytime soon. And throwing on a breathe right strip just because it helps with like my allergies but it's just like, I know I have so much more room to like grow, like generally as a runner on like all those basic things that I'm not sort of like thinking much about that. And, you know, a point where I would get to that, right? Like I've been a runner for basically three years now, you know, a point where I would get to that would be, you know, eight, nine, 10 years down the line. Right. Um, 
So if you're, mm-hmm. if you're listening and you're considering running an ultra and you're going, I haven't thought about breathing once, don't overthink it, you know, like just keep running. Like you're going to figure these things out more as they come. Yeah, no, I think I, that's yeah, a good point, Cam. Makes sense. I know for me personally, like I just one thing I also don't really think about too too often. I know like I tossed to those guys on purpose because I was thinking I'd think of an answer myself. And really, like when I breathe, I feel like I'm just like gasping for air, like a horse straight out like a steeplechase race or something like that. So <laughs> I definitely don't have any <laughs> tips or any advice to give on that. But I think a lot of it, like kind of what Cam said, is just do what comes natural. And then once you kind of figure out what's natural then do kind of some research and, you know, maybe try something new. If it works, it works. If not, it doesn't. So kind of just do your homework out there and uh, try a couple of things on a couple of runs. And if it works, hopefully it works out for you. Awesome. Thank you. Well, I, yeah, I think, I, I do think there's, there's merit to it. And I think it can go in a lot of directions. Like Nick said, uh, even just, you know, noticing when you're holding your breath or gasping for air. But I also agree with Cam that there's a lot of gains to be had uh, that just come from, you know, doing something basic, like speed, one speed work, workout a week or something like that. So have you, had appreciate any it, guys. yeah. Have you any, have any experiences in this topic, uh, or you, anything you're trying to like have tried already and maybe it's worked or hasn't worked for you already? Yeah, I have been experimenting with my coach with some runs where I've just been doing nasal breathing. So I've like forced myself to just nasal breathe for, you know, 30 to 60 minutes while running. Um, and it's really weird. It's, it's a really odd sensation. Um, at first I thought it was impossible. And then I just like forced myself to keep my mouth closed. Um, and I was able to do it, uh, really without too much of a loss of what my normal like tempo pace would be. Um, and, and I've, I've read, I, I mean, I think there is a benefit to it. I think you're forcing air to go in different places when it goes through the nose, but I'm still new to it. And so that's why I asked the question because I want to learn more about this process. Um, and I think that it is connected to the larger picture of running how you breathe. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it definitely does play a part and I think it is kind of important. So it's kind of here. It's great to hear you kind of bring that to the forefront and, uh, hopefully I can play, I'm going to start focusing on it a little more. I know this, this week's runs for sure. Well, thanks cool. so much, thanks so yeah. much, Samuel, for joining the show, and uh, we're super stoked that you joined us tonight. Hey, thank you guys, uh, awesome, and uh, looking forward to the next one. Thanks so much. No doubt, Sam underscore Metal, I believe, on Instagram. You can vet me on that, but uh, yeah, Sam. That's right. Yeah. There we, there thanks, we go. Man. He's, thanks. He's still thanks, here. Yep. There we go. <laughs> Samuel Hartman, everyone, uh, joining us. So that was awesome, kind of mm-hmm. hearing from him and uh, this whole topic here. Um, yeah, no breathing. I mean, this is, this is one thing kind of when you're going through the training process that you just kind of don't really think about on a day-to-day basis, but I think it's kind of definitely there in the background that, uh, should be brought up a little more. Combining both of those breathing and speed work things, a little off topic and disclaimer, don't try this at home folks. But I remember hearing about somewhere people who would run 400 meter sprints, holding their breath. It is absolutely insane. I don't understand it but it's just one of those things that will stick with me forever that just blew my mind. Yeah. I'm totally Mm -hmm. good on that. Uh, I was going to say no, (laughs) no desire to try that legitimate training advice. We've got a, there's a couple books back here. There's titles you can't read, but the happy runner by Dr. Megan Roach and David Roach. 
regeneration. Those books yeah, are fake. Training for the uphill athlete, Killian, uh, Journey, Steve Johnson, or Steve House, uh, Scott Johnson, I believe, Patagonia books. Like, there's a lot of actual training advice in that. Um, maybe don't hold your breath. <laughs> Yeah, no, Eric Anderson no. in the chat also dropped a great uh, book there. So if you guys are in the chat seeing this, uh, check out his comment there. He had a great one book in the comments section as well. We actually have another caller in the queue ready to go right now, joining us on Keep the rolling. line. Yeah, I know. He's got people coming in like crazy. Uh, actually, we take a quick second. It'll not be right now. We will get them on the line <laughs> in a little bit, which is no worries. Uh, <laughs> you know what happens when you're doing a live show? You have people calling in like crazy. You know, mm-hmm. think things happen. Th- thank so. JD3 Sometimes for that, draw. Uh, correction. Yeah, JD3 is like, nah, dude, shut it down, shut it down. It's <laughs> like, stop, stop. You already like you're in too deep. You committed to something. <laughs> No, I, I appreciate the honesty from JD3. You know, just tell me, hey, listen, not now. I really do uh, appreciate that from John. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of some races to keep your eye out this weekend. Um, big big race weekend. I didn't even realize this until I kind of did my homework. But the Blood Rock 100, which I mentioned earlier this week, it, this early in the show, is this weekend in Alabama, 26,000 feet of vertical gain. Lee Connor is in the race from Ohio on the ladies' side. Would love to see your take on a win. Big. There. Mm-hmm. I, I think that could be a W there for her. Um, yeah, overall, probably. Oh, yeah, good, for sure. Good chance. I, I haven't done a lot of research into the men's side of that race, but yeah, I mean, definitely is someone that could definitely take home the top overall spot in that race. Another one, the Daytona 100 in Florida, point-to-point 100-mile race. The course record for the men is 14.11. Lee Whitaker sent that. And then for the women, it's 14.55 with Mika Morgan. And then also the Pine Mountain 46-miler in Georgia is taking place. This race started in 1981. Nick, when were you born? <laughs> 1981. Let's go. <laughs> we're, we're really going no. there, aren't we? Oh, no, no, 88, 88 here. Okay. I, I was going to say like, there's, I know Cam and I are young, but like, I didn't think <laughs> Nick was that much older than us, but uh, <laughs> 80, 81 scared me a little bit. I was like, this is a weird dynamic now. <laughs> yeah. No, but no, but what are you guys' thoughts on those races this weekend? Or like, I guess, what do you guys anticipate happening or have any thoughts? I think this is a question for you, Nick. <laughs> well, I mean, the Daytona 100, way too flat. I don't have anything else on that, boys. Uh, Blood Rock sounds like a great race, tons of vert. Um, have to admit, looking at that entrance list, I, I don't really recognize any of the names except for uh, except for Lee. Um, but good to see that there were like, I think four or five uh, total people from Ohio down there. Pretty small field. Um, I guess that's kind of expected. Uh, with uh, the current current situation happening too in the world. Yeah. I mean, no doubt. I think, I mean, these are actually three races that I would love to do someday. Like blood rock. I mentioned earlier, but like Daytona 100, like first off, it's a Florida race. I've been wanting to do a Florida race for so long. Give me the heat. Give me the hot. It's flat. I'll do a flat hundred. Maybe that's the only flat hundred I do in my entire life going forward. That could be the one. And then Pine Mountain 46 miler. I mean, this race just has so much history that I didn't even know about until I looked into it. I was just super excited to kind of uh, see that take place. Yeah, I was a little bummed I didn't know about that one. Um, love seeing that multiple decades of results there. And uh, it definitely seems like one that's right up right up my alley. I love those historical races. Well, you're, you're always one. What was the race the other day that you were texting me about? And you're like, dude, how do you not know about this race? And like, oh, just- way too cool 50K. 
I yeah, mean, okay. it's just one of, it's one of the it's How one of the most popular fifty k's oh in the country. Gosh. Listen, listen, listen. I East Coast podcast. We I'm all in on the East Coast. Everything anti California here. Yes. Yeah. Very, no. No left coast for West. Except <laughs> he has run an Oregon race at least two. Mm-hmm. Two, two Oregon races, two Oregon races. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. I just, I mean, I just definitely focus a lot of my time on spending east of the Mississippi, and I missed out on the way to pool fifty k. But great race, from what I've been told by a couple people. Um, maybe I'll have to get out there and try that it, one. It's on a, it's on a historical trail. You might have heard of it. Uh, it's called the Western States Trail. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that the yeah. uh, hundred mile that takes place out there too? Yeah. Well, I think it's a horse race. Yeah. Something oh, okay. Like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There we go. There we go. Yeah, no, that race is uh, pretty solid as well. Um, Cam, let's talk about your uh, goals for the Hard Rock 100. Oh, man, you really <laughs> brought that up, didn't you? Um, just after today, I struggled to like hold 11-minute pace at High Banks this morning. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that might have honestly shifted. I was just speaking to a coworker about like long-term goals the other day. Um, shout out to Alex York. I know he's not listening, but shout out to him anyways. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I wrote down a couple of years ago that like an eventual goal of mine is like to win the hard rock 100. Um, it's a big thing, right? Uh, Wesley pointed out when we were in the new river gorge and he saw my phone background, the hard rock rock is my phone background. I think about that a lot. And it's just, you know, I think having one of those like huge long-term goals has been really helpful for me to not get caught up in the, you know, the day-to-day minutia of everything and to like be too focused on like, well, actually, right. Like anti-sports media, what have I done lately? And think about, you know, it's going to take a very long time to sort of like get to um, where my goals are. But the thing is that like, I'm committed to like taking that time. Dude, I'm pumped. It's almost goal setting season. We definitely will have a goal setting Foss talks where we can kind of get people on and talk about what their goals are for 2021, kind of what Ridge Runners goals are and what we want to accomplish in 2021 as well. But I think it's super unique to kind of just put yourself out there like that. That is just like, like the biggest goal, like right in ultra running. I mean, like that Western States, like it's just such a unique experience. So uh, proud of you for putting that one out there. Yeah, that uh, sixth place finish at the Tuscasor 25 miler is um, not feeling like such a great race result anymore, even though it's my best one ever. But yeah, no, I mean, I think I think part of the point of like having goals is like that they should feel scary and they should feel in many ways unachievable and that you're going to have to like transform yourself and you're going to have to make sacrifices to get those goals because if not, what's the point of that goal, you know? if my goal was to go jog at high banks again tomorrow, right? Like what's the point I can go do that literally anytime, you know, like, so just like why set goals that are not a little bit scary for you. To, no, no doubt, no doubt. And, you know, if you ever do even just run hard rock, you know, just in case, I mean, you toe the line, we will be there to film it and it'll be, yeah, uh, just get in, just get in. Yeah. That's like 60% of the challenge, honestly. <laughs> 90. Well, yeah. 90% of the challenge. Then kind of going back to our topic earlier with women, it's like 99% of the challenge. Cause you know, so many spots are dedicated to the veterans. Well, who are the veterans? They're all males. So that's just another mm-hmm. kind of issue where yeah. big races, especially should just open up more of those spots. And we're kind of jumping back a little bit, but just at Dale Garland. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> we might, we might see a switch, you know, and a shift there soon too. Um, I think mm-hmm. they I think their format is, um, it's, it's becoming a little, little difficult to manage too on their end. So we'll see, we'll see what that one turns into, but 
I mean, hey, if you if you want to just go do something just as hard, I know the Ura 100 down there is a big big race too with like 45k vert. So same same area, mm-hmm. not that not the same history, but where's that uh, race located, Nick? It's in it's in Ura, Colorado. So that that's one the, of the towns. The name of that the town Hard Rock is... goes through. What's, I, you could tell me Yuri's in like Georgia, and I'd be like, "Yeah, okay, that makes sense." Like, <laughs> well, there's also a London and a Peru in Ohio, Wesley, and uh, there's a Peru in Illinois that I spent some time at this summer, which is a beautiful place. But um, yeah, no, I, I found out recently. I was doing some Google mapping and a little, little off topic here, but I found out that like Washington, Seattle to what like Utah is like what 18 hours of a drive it's like if you go point to point and like from like georgia south carolina to utah is like 11 or like it's very it's very similar i was blown away by that i did not know utah was where utah was in the united states yeah the mileage i knew i knew it was like over there and like near everything but i didn't know it was far south i didn't know it was like down near where florida is like i did not know it was like a coastal area they gotta really utah is not coastal (laughs) There's no coasts in Utah, Wesley. Okay. They don't even. I, mean, I get what he, I get what he's saying, though. The latitude is, uh, you know, it, it's it's south of Ohio, and it's it's a more southern southern type state. I sure. mean, yeah, just I mean, Cleveland, Ohio, for example, like you can just draw a line across the map, and it's higher than where anywhere in Utah would be, I believe. You, mm-hmm. you also have to keep in mind is a lot of these states out west are just massive states. So like Northern Utah, you know, even like, you know, Ogden and Salt Lake is, you know, pretty far North is like maybe even with Ohio, but Southern Utah is, you know, down where maybe Georgia would be. So big States out here. Yeah, no, you guys, you guys got all the uh, fun States. So we do have one or two more callers that are in the queue right now. We will eventually get to them in a second. We've realized in this whole process that Android users are a little funky with our technology. I mean, that may just be a thing where, you know, Get to buy an iPhone to get on the show. Maybe that's just maybe that's, let's not gatekeep the show like that. <laughs> okay, okay. Maybe we make a partnership with Apple and we can send people iPhones. That, okay. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. I, I was gonna say, not even on our wireless streams. <laughs> hey, you who, might as well have said we should have a partnership with Cannondale and send people Popstones. <laughs> you just said just go after your dreams, Cam, and you're out here telling me we can't get a partnership with uh with, uh yeah, no, it's with wild. Apple is that your dream, Wesley? Yeah. Partnership with Apple? Yeah, no, it's that's it's enough with this. Enough of this. Let's go to a caller. They're on the line, ready to go right now. Join the show. Who do we have, and where are you from? This is Chad Robinson, I believe. Oh, oh man, Chadwick, what's up, man? Not bad, not bad. I, I had to crack the the uh, old it's it's oval king code in order to get in, but I got in. <laughs> I had to lock myself into a room and then I had to decode the code to get in. And I got in after about four, I had to go get a, I had to get an old piece of mail and a, and a red crayon and come into the room with my whiskey and then write down 600 numbers. And I, now I know what, what Michael was talking about. I thought he was joking, but he was being completely honest. I can never be too safe these days. Yeah, I told you guys, the technology to make this show possible is just bonkers. So kudos to everyone that makes that happen. What do you want to talk about, C-Rob? Well, two things. I just follow up on some other people's stuff because obviously it should be a continuum. And you guys are doing a fantastic job uh, orating everything here right now. But like 
couple things, and I'll get to the, the girl aspect too, which I really like that because I'm a cross country coach. But first, on the uh, the last couple callers talking about controlling the breathing, and obviously, I you know, depending on the kind of person that you are, like running wise, whether you're you know, 5K a mile or a track stud in high school or a hundred mile. I, I know that, for example, I, I've been told from some people, specifically Lee Connors, um, and I haven't really done this before. And I know Nikki were mentioning the whole uh, breathing just through your nose thing. Uh, she she said she does that exclusively for the first, like, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 miles of a hundred mile race, just to control her effort level, which obviously will control your heart rate, which is something I focused on at OBU is my heart rate. And so I think that's a really important thing. I think there's probably different methods involved with that, like depending on, you know, what kind of exertion you're going to be doing, whether you're trying to, you know, go for speed, which obviously OBU is the exact opposite of that. So I think it depends on the kind of race for breathing. Uh, but if you control your breathing, from my experience, um, you control your heart rate. If you can control your heart rate, you can control how you feel and how your muscles perform. Um, but it, it depends on the speed, obviously. So, uh, you know, I, I, I would try to, you know, take from everyone that I, I listen to, that I read and um, that I run with. But I know, like, for example, Harvey Lewis mentioned something about making sure that you uh, relax your face muscles and, uh, like, your body just kind of be real free-flowing, like, every single bit of energy that you can kind of conserve is going to conserve your heart rate, which is going to conserve the pump of your blood and then the number of calories you're, you're consuming. Um, and obviously the how much energy you have left that you want to conserve towards the end of a race, like whether it's to have a kick, you know, on, you know, on a mile or a two mile on a track or whether it's to just finish something that's you know, extremely hard. So, uh, that's my quick take on that. But my, what I wanted to talk about was, um, the, the whole, uh, uh, the convenient adventure coming up in, in early January, not necessarily that everyone that's listening is going to be able to do that, but um, there's, and I won't give any specifics because everyone should have their own kind of renegade type thing. Uh, but Mike alone does put on a couple of cool events once in a while um, that are kind of off the grid. And I think it's important that we, as people, whether we're race directors or, or coaches or, or hosts like you or people that just enjoy running to, continue to do renegade events like that, like off the cusp. Like I try to do some weird games and stuff with my cross country crew and it gets everyone involved, not just the studs, but gets people who don't even think about running, that even would even think about running a 5k, you know, uh, out there. And I have a lot of females um, that, I, that aren't really necessarily super fast runners. Uh, they become fast sometimes. Sometimes they just give appreciation being outside. But I think if you start doing those sort of things at the local level, like for me as a teacher and a coach, I'm able to kind of reach that younger generation. And so if you instill that sort of positivity and confidence in, in young people, uh, that stays with them forever. Like it's something that, you know, I pride myself on. I don't necessarily crank out, you know, state champions up the right. And we, we get a couple of diamonds in the rough, but it's important to, to include everybody, uh, male, female, big, thin, whatever. Uh, and, that it'll breed into itself. Everyone's got that story. Like there's guys, but like Stephen Loop, I think it's his last name. He's around the area here. So many people I've met have lost so much weight, you know, running. And it's just, it's kind of inspiring. So that, that crosses between genders, but um, I think it's kind of cool. I'll hang up and I'll let you, let you talk unless you got any questions for me based on the two things I've mentioned. 
So just a quick one here, C-Rob. I know you were in Ohio's back at Ultra in March. Uh, your goal for this past when I asked you about it before the race, you just said, I just need to focus on myself uh, and not really worry about what everyone else is doing. Obviously, there's more big names coming to the starting line. You had an unbelievable performance a couple weeks ago. What is your mindset going into OBU in March? Um, for me personally, like I don't want to give myself like a goal milestone. Like for me, it's now it's 200 plus or bust. Like I know I can get to that next level, but I have to, and I'm not going to limit it at, at 200. You know, if I'm you know lucky enough to have a day where things go my way, if I can control the controllables, that's, that's one thing and kind of let the dice fall. But, you know, for me, it's mentally just, I didn't think it was going to the mistake I made. I, I was kind of secretly banking on the fact that it wasn't to get to a second road section. Like I, I thought I could get to that. I knew I could, and I was willing to get there, but uh, I saw the strength of my competitors and it kind of got in my head. Eventually I started using too much energy towards the end. So for me, it's, it's going to be focused on getting to that second night road section and then just going, okay, let's, let's, let's do the George plan again. I really like the George plan. I'm big on the 55 minutes on the road and then, coming back. And then I think if I can get through that section, uh, I'll feel right at home coming back in the daytime, back on that incredibly gorgeous McChesney Ridge course, which I feel I have a, a mental advantage on some people because I've spent some alone time there. And I'm sure you know, Michael and Reese has spent way more time than I have, but I got my own little special niche I've carved out there. And it's uh, super cool to have people like Reese and, and Bree open that place up to the, you know, people that we're talking to right now and all that. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at and I'm looking forward to it and can't wait to bang with some of these elites. <laughs> hey, I agree with you, Chadwick. I think you gotta, I think you just got to slow down. I'd be, uh, I'd be real curious to see what your, uh, your running time was those first, uh, 75 miles or so. I mean, I didn't see you the whole 12 hours I was out there. You were just, you know, minutes ahead of me when we went around the lake or the pond there, I could just see you just trucking along. So who knows what you're capable of if you can just slow it down just a couple minutes. Yeah, I, mean, I try to keep it. I didn't do anything under 50 minutes. I wanted to go 50 to 54 on the trail and the road, and I, I did that. So, I mean, I might have been in front, but I think sometimes it's sometimes it's easier. I have a larger – getting off of my feet quicker sometimes can help, just an extra minute or two, so – I didn't feel like I was gassed. I felt like I had more in the tank, but mentally I just couldn't. I, I eventually, the last hour or two just became taxing and then it just got in my own head and that's all it takes. <laughs> no doubt, man. Well, thank you so much for calling C-Rob. Uh, it was awesome to kind of hear from you and we're super stoked. I'm sorry for leaving you off like the number of elite people <laughs> I mentioned earlier in the race. I've no, listed, no, like, no, no, I've no. I'm not like elite. I'm not, no, no, I've got no, 15 no, no. people on my list right now and you're one of them and I just forgot to say your name. So I apologize for oh, that. Oh, great. So but, I, I was 17 before I moved up two spots. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, improvement, baby, improvement. Just those marginal hey, gains. Hey, I'm making gains, baby. I'm, I'm making gains. He's making gains. Take it, e yeah. no Take doubt, it man. easy. Take it easy. Thanks so much for the call. See Rob Robinson on the line. That's awesome to have him call in. Uh, guys, so for the convenient adventure, if you guys don't know, Michael Owen puts on this like this fun run adventure. Typically, it's in the Shawnee Forest, normally around the start of the year. And this has been going on for boy, seven or eight years now. It was a bit, originally the idea started from one of Michael's really good friends wanted to have a bachelor party. They didn't know what they wanted to do. They decided to run like 46 miles that day or something, just something bonkers like that. And every year they kind of get back together and kind of do the same thing. Uh, 
so if you want to be a part of that, it's it definitely, it's, if you're, it's, you're able to be a part of it, just kind of reach out to Michael. You can reach out to us. We'll get you in contact with him and uh, you can come down to Shawnee Forest in a couple weeks. Should be a lot of fun. You guys have never done a community adventure, have you? I have not. I was uh, only invited to the last one and I was injured during it. Nick? No, not officially. No. You know, you bailed. It was going to be, it was the, the year that we did the inaugural Shawnee 50 course. And I was pumped that you were coming because the who are, we went out with, it was like Mike Cooper, Travis Sipful, Michael Owen, and myself. We took a month off from ultra running after my only 100 mile finish. And like, and like, so I'm going into this like inaugural thing with like these, like the three fastest guys in Ohio, essentially, like in the top 10, whatever you want to say, like just studs. And here I am. I was like, oh man, Nick, please show up. So me and Nick can just hang out all day. But uh, they just dropped. Yeah, I, I, wa- I wanted to be there. <laughs> I, I can remember it vividly. I'm not going to throw anybody on under the bus of why. Um, but uh, yeah, there was there was there was a good reason, I guess, I wasn't there. Oh boy! Oh, oh boy! <laughs> well, we'll uh, we'll leave that one on the table. And, yeah, we'll just not discuss that further. <laughs> yeah, no, or, or we could, you know, it's boss talks. This is uh, this is uh, what we're made for. But I think we do have one more caller on the line right now. This may be our final caller. This is a long show, but we're super excited to kind of talk mm-hmm. to as many Return Nation members as we can. Uh, who do we have on the line right now, and where you're from? My name's Paul Kenter. Um, I hail originally from pittsburgh that's the steel town runner um that some people see me on commenting on things every now and then and i am in new york oh infamous 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 yes professional armchair jogger (laughs) this is awesome man what do you want to talk about on the show um i caught bits and pieces before i got put on hold and then uh, apparently i couldn't quite listen to the show and uh listen to the hold music at the same time so I think I missed uh, a fair chunk of it, but the, I think the main thing that was on my mind was um, Desert Solstice, if it's not on people's radar, um, a lot of races have been canceled. JFK, of course, ended up seeing, at least on the men's side, a lot deeper competition than it ordinarily sees. And uh, Desert Solstice, unfortunately, the women's field is a little shallow, still have a couple of big names, but on the men's side, it might be the most competitive field that the race has ever seen. Um, you have certainly on paper, I don't know if any of them will deliver and as these things uh, tend to go, but we have three people who I think could very reasonably hit 170 miles in the same race, which if you follow this stuff never happens. You have the U S 48 hour record holder, Olivier LeBlanc, who won, I believe, gosh, gold or silver at the last 24-hour world championships. He has, I believe, 170 miles as his 24-hour personal best. Um, that is second best all-time United States. So he's running Desert Solstice. And also Harvey Lewis, who I believe has right around 160, maybe a hair less. His PR is just a hair behind Corny DeWalters. So he's running it. Normally, he doesn't make it over for that. You have uh, um, Jake Jackson. Um, who I think ran one, he ran just behind Camila of the last world championships. So he should, I believe has a 166. I suspect that he is in PR shape. You have Nick Curry who managed to negative split his last 24 hours. And he's, um, he said he's in better shape now than he was then. You also have Zach Bitter who, um, 
hasn't quite articulated it in these words, but this is his first very serious go at 24 hours. He's tried twice before, um, kind of fizzled at 18 hours, but he hasn't said this explicitly, but more or less uh, alluded to the fact that he's chasing the world record, which is Killian got a lot of hype this past week, which was, uh, I thought, somewhat misplaced. But Zach, if there's one person right now who could conceivably do it, which would not be this kind of crazy moonshot, it'd be Zach. So uh, whether you get the 188, or I certainly wouldn't say 170 is a, uh, I think that'd be a poor race for him, if you can see such a thing. And 172 is the U.S. record by Mike Morton. The fastest, I believe, the fastest non-West Coast runner to run Western states. So, um, yeah, that's, I think, right now what's in the forefront of my mind. That is awesome, man. So, okay, give us your quick pick here before you bounce out. Who do you oh, think is going to win? Oh, my quick pick. Oh, um, well, when you aim high, then, you know, that's the classic thing. Where, like we've seen too many times. It uh, can end kind of disastrously. Zach still doesn't have experience. Um, Harvey is one of the most consistent 24 hour runners in the world, but his leg speed doesn't come anywhere near the people with, uh, greater upshot than him. So, um, I'm not a betting man. I think it could be uh, and part of what makes it 24 hours interesting is it can, uh, unfold very interestingly. So it's, uh, it's in some ways it's very predictable in some ways less so. Um, but those, and there are a couple of debutants will be showing up. I'm blocking on all the names. You also have Bob Hearn, who's going to be there. He's very consistent. Right around 150, he's going to be aiming for probably 156, but his ceiling isn't much higher than that. Um, I'm blocking on the fellow making his 24-hour debut. Um, not a well-known name. You also had um, Kyle Piatari, you know, from Denver, who's, I guess, by now a perennial top 10 Western States runner who just pulled out because of uh, COVID concerns. But yeah, this is one race that it should be uh, purely from a spectating perspective should uh, be very well, well worth watching. And uh, on a separate note, I heard some book recommendations being thrown about something about training. There was um, the book by Killian and some other book that was out there. We'll throw one or two out there. There's training for ultra marathons by Andy Milroy, who's uh, perhaps the, uh, the premier historian of ultra running in the world with training for ultra and also throw a plug for a step beyond the definitive guide to ultra running edited by Don Allison and Don Allison was the longtime publisher of ultra running magazine before it moved out West. So those are two book titles for the night. Well, thank you so much, man. Where can people find you on social media again? Um, at steel town runner and you'll find uh, some tweets about opera. And when I decide to get ornery, some stuff about ultra running. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate the call and all the stats you threw out and whatnot, really bringing mm -hmm. an element to the show that uh, I'm super excited to kind of dive into. My pleasure. And the, and learn about Ure. Amounts of stuff is equally interesting, but I chime in when I, when I see something is uh, covered less, but it's all good. No doubt. Thank you so much for the call, man. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Yeah, no, that was, that was great stuff there. Nick, what do you uh, have? To, I'm just going to devote right to you, Mr. Ultra Running Analyst here uh, on the show, not Skip Bayless, but what do you think is going to happen at that race, Desert Solstice? 
Yeah, it's a good question. I think he, uh, he brings up a good point that, you know, when you, uh, you play with fire, sometimes you get burned. So, uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to be rooting for Zach Bitter. Um, I just, I, I love the guy. I think he's a super inspirational, um, guy, world-class speed. Um, he already holds, um, the hundred mile world record, um, at least on trail. Um, and yeah, it'll be cool to see him if he can stretch it. Um, I know he's been there to that race before it's, you know, kind of hometown for him. Um, the thing is, is it'll be covered, um, extensively. I think they do a video stream the whole time. If you're into that kind of thing, watching, watching, uh, folks run around a track one direction for 12 hours and then switch directions and go the other way for 12 hours. Um, that would be cool. I, I was excited to see Kyle Piatari, um, the local Denver guy here, um, going for uh, a 24 hour effort, um, because he, he, do, he has that leg speed, um, that steel town runner was talking about. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be cool to see, um, a lot of just, you know, those names are just the, uh, the perennial powerhouses when it comes to the 24 hour, um, realm. I, I was interested to, to follow Zach bitter in his, uh, trans America, but it looks like, I, I guess now at this point, it's not going to happen this year. So, um, hopefully he's gonna, he's going to give that a go next year when maybe things are a little bit normal. That's why the show is named after you right there. Just killer insights from uh, Nick Voss. Uh, we've got one final caller here in the waiting room. Uh, this will be the last caller before we end the show tonight. Uh, who do we have on the line and uh, where are you from? Uh, you're going to hate this, but uh, Michael Owens. He's back. Dude, he's back. <laughs> but, uh, so it's really, really serendipitous um, that Steel Town Runner chimed in with the 24 hour desert solstice information, because I was going to call in and bring up Killian Jornet's 24 hour track attempt, uh, last weekend or yeah, just over the weekend in Norway. Um, so it kind of goes in with, with the 24 hour track attempt and, you know, which, which brings you to, to, to the thought, Giannis Kuros is, um, world record of 188 miles for the track 24 hour um, has to be one of the most untouchable world records in ultra running. And, you know, he's a legend, um, perhaps the greatest of all time in pure distance running. If you're going to break it down the multi-day to 24 hour stuff, 48 hour, he has a six day world record at an incredible uh, 645 miles, I believe. And so, you know, at Desert Solstice, this could be a shot to get closer to that. It could be a shot to get, you know, Zach Bitter, a phenomenal finish. So uh, it was really great to hear from Steel Town Runner. I can't stress enough, like, if you're an ultra runner geek and want to hear some great insight from people, um, Steel Town Runner on Twitter is, is a great follow. Well, thanks so much for calling back, Michael. I think you officially broke the rules. I don't know if that's uh, something that we're going to have happen often, but we're glad to hear from you again and uh, have your insights back on the show. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, sorry for breaking the rules, but uh, <laughs> I just couldn't pass up getting uh, that 24-hour Killian reference in because it, it goes along with uh, what, what Paul brought up. Um, but yeah, that's something I will definitely be tuning into uh, probably for the pretty much, uh, off and on throughout the entire 24 hours. Um, but I, but 
but like a lot of people think, or a lot of like a lot of people, I want to really keep an eye on what Zach Bitter can do. I would love to see Harvey Lewis, you know, set his personal best, which would end up being, you know, pretty far up there. I think he did it this past year, perhaps, right? Did Harvey Lewis run his personal best in the 24-hour distance? Um, yeah, I, I think know. so. I think it was in like the 160s range, 163 or four or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's another big performance that I do as Ohio Ultra Runner of the Year uh, resume. That's already very impressive. For sure. But yeah, just you know, checking out Desert Solstice, you know, the internet list is on Ultra Sign Up. Pretty strong on the guy side. Not as familiar with the women. Um, yeah, there's no Camille on the list like there is some years. That's where she obviously got her records. Um, but yeah, super exciting. And, uh, you know, if you want to discuss something, you know, I think discussing whether Giannis Kuros is the greatest of all time. And if that record at 24 hour record will ever be broken or even touched within, you know, within five miles, uh, that's going to be debatable. And then definitely like his six day record of 645 miles is otherworldly. You know, he's, He's like a god in, uh, in his home country, and it's for for right reasons. Definitely. Well, we're going to have to dive into that, Michael Owen. Thank you so much for joining us on the show again tonight, and uh, we hope to hear right. from you again. Good night. Yeah, no, I think uh, kind of going back to that um, Killian's attempt, um, what do you guys kind of think about that, kind of just how it all transpired and kind of going into desert solstice and do you think that record will ever be touched because i watched a sage candidate video the other day um it was 20 minutes long i think i watched a couple minutes of it and i from what i watched i don't think that he was super he thinks that a fast marathoner can eventually break the record but um i'm not so sure if i'm sold on it. i don't i think that record would have to take such a perfect day from the person who's perfectly in shape and all the training and i think it'd just be like one of those unworldly performances what do you guys think yeah, to me, it's uh, it's a huge it's a huge number. Um, I I think going in, obviously, like in hindsight, you know, it's just a huge publicity stunt for Solomon. Um, I I think Killian's one of those people who's interested. It's interesting to watch him, um, you know, push himself. Uh, but I think he's also someone who appears to be this. Um, you know, freak athlete when really you have to look at the amount of experience he has, even though he's a younger guy, he has been doing the crazy mountain stuff. He's, he does for years and years and years. And what he doesn't have experience in is this, is this 24 hour flat track running um, kind of thing. So the, the crazy thing to me is that Someone like Olivier LeBlanc can go and finish in the top three at the world championships, run 170 miles, and he's still got 18 miles to find in that 24-hour period to even tie Giannis Corus's record. That, to me, is such a big margin, and Michael's exactly right. Like, I even get, even get within 10 or 5 miles of that um, is going to be – it's going to take an, just an incredibly perfect performance. And, and I, I'm totally on board. Like I think records are made to be broken and it will be broken at some point. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a head scratcher for sure. Like, you know, when you see the caliber of people that consistently put up 
high 150s, maybe high 160s, 170. If they have a perfect day, it's like, how do you, how do you find that 18 miles? I, I, I'm not the person to ask. Maybe you get any insights. <laughs> I've got, um, personally, I've got very little insight, right? Um, I'm always down for wild speculation based on little to no data, right? Um, but yeah, it's just what Nick said, like finding 18 miles for somebody who's already elite, right? This kind of gets back to the nasal breathing thing. Olivier LeBlanc, right? Not to put words in his mouth, right? Because I met him at Mohican. He's a great guy, you know, but he's chasing those marginal gains, you know, like he is not in the same place that we are where he's thinking like, oh, I can take an hour off my time on this course if I train in this way, you know, if I like start doing mile repeats every Wednesday, right? Like anything like that, you know, he's chasing like, you know, not miles, but minutes probably even over the 24 hour period. So I, I, Going back to a little bit what uh, Paul was saying when he was talking, I'm very interested to see like what Zach Bitter does um, at Desert Solstice and to see if he can get like a true like 24 hour performance to like his sort of like uh, fulfillment, so to speak, right? Where he like, you know, steps off the track and he's like, that's the best that I could do for those 24 hours because it doesn't seem like he's there, you know? But then from there, it's well, how close did he get? to Koros's record, you know, cause I'm not quite sure that he's going to like actually break it or even come that close. But, you know, if the margin drops from less than 18 miles, I think we can start maybe thinking about it more. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that point. It's kind of like that a uh, sub two hour marathon mark, like it's couple of these m- margins and whatnot. It's just like so crazy when you start thinking about like how much people need to kind of like just I don't even know. It's just just a mind blowing topic, but I know one thing I'm super excited to kind of tune in. I know it's one of those events where, you know, I'm just much like last night, you know, when Ohio's back at ultra registration opened up, I was awake till, you know, one in the morning, just refreshing ultra sign up and seeing all the entrance lists coming in. Uh, That desert solstice race, I'll be just every hour checking in and kind of seeing how it all uh, plays out. It'll be super exciting. But uh, that's a wrap on tonight's Voss Talks. Um, This is our first ever show. Um, If you guys enjoyed this or you guys thought this was a different format, you thought this was kind of cool, let us know in the comment section uh, if we should do it again. You know, sometimes we try to try things and we never do them again because, you know, maybe they suck or maybe we should do this a couple more times. So let us know in the comments whether you think this was a solid attempt. Uh, Cam, do you have any final thoughts or anything to end the show with tonight? No, I was going to say, if you thought this was some sort of Vosswater reference, um, you were mistaken. Other than that, you know, um, we're super stoked that so many people called in. Uh, We want to hear more from you guys, you know, and I think maybe a topic for next time, if you guys want to hear this, you know, we've been talking about Giannis Koros and Killian a little bit here. Who is the goat of ultra running? Call in, let us know your opinions on that. Um, Obviously, all three of us are going to have some very strong ones, you know, so We'll talk about those things. If not, we will see you guys next time. All right. Don't everyone pick David Goggins as the best ultra runner, by the way, too. Please, please nobody pick him, actually. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's Voss Talks, guys. We'll see you guys next time. Ridge Nation, thank you so much for tuning into Voss 
Talks. We are so excited to connect with you guys in this new way through taking your phone calls on these episodes. And if you did not join tonight, well, make sure you figure out where we're going to go live next time so you can hop on and be one of our awesome callers. If you don't know how to do that, well, we're on all social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We also have a Strava Club as well, as well where you can connect with other Regenerate Nation members. In addition, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, subscribe there and tell a friend about the show as well. We appreciate all the support, guys, and we would not be doing this if we didn't appreciate the support that you guys give us. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Voss Talks. We hope to hear from you on the next episode.